The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Good morning and assalamualaikum. You're tuned into Inspire FM 105.1 FM. It's Friday, 10th of February, and the time is 10 o'clock. Uh, you are tuned into Mother's Planet this morning, where there is always something to talk about in a productive and beneficial way. I'm your host, Neelam, and joining me on the show this morning is my guest, Asina. But before I get her to introduce herself, um, salam alaikum and welcome to the show, Sister Hazina. Walaikum salam, sis. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm I'm good, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, I'm good. Nearly the half term. Oh, I know. I was just going to say today is the last day of term before the holidays kick in and we have half term. Um, it's amazing because my body naturally kicks into this tired mode where the last three days before half term, it just feels like a huge drag and I just can't wait for... Um, half term to start. So, yes, I am very much looking forward to that and more so because... I don't have to get up so early. Exactly. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> uh, have you got any plans for half term? Um, this half term, we haven't made many plans, so it's just um, to see how it goes and maybe day outs and stuff like that. Yes, yes. Alhamdulillah, the weather's actually been good. I like to talk about the weather in my show, and the weather has actually been uh, worked in our favour. Um, it's actually been quite nice. We've had sunshine. Um, it started off quite cold in the mornings, but it's built up um, uh, over the day and um, the sun has come out. So it's adding that little bit of warmth. For me, I've actually managed to get washing outside and uh, that's been quite nice. Uh, although it's not fully dried to how I'd like it, but it's nice just to get them air dried a little bit. So that's quite nice. Now, um I know uh, this week has been quite a sad um, week for um, Turkey and Syria with the um, humongous and devastating earthquake um, that was that had happened, uh, taking thousands of lives. I mean, I think the last count that I, I, I read, um, it must be more now, it was, it was about 15,000 lives. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that toll's um, risen. Um, so I just wanted to make a small du'a for, for those that have uh, passed away um, through this earthquake. May Allah grant them the highest rank of heaven and uh, give the family that have lost loved ones uh, uh, peace in their heart and strength to cope with this loss, inshallah. I mean, uh, now, um, uh, Sister Hasina, I know that you are doing some fundraising uh, work um, to raise some money um, for the victims of this earthquake. So um, if you could just uh, maybe just give a a shout out to the listeners as to what you're doing and which charity you're working with um, to, to do this. Yeah, so inshallah, um, it will be next Friday and it's for Ummah Welfare Trust where it's 100% donations um, and it's an emergency appeal supporting all the earthquake victims as well. And it's going to be like a self-defence um, session where uh, women and girls can come and learn realistic self-defence uh, movements. So if you've got no experience in martial arts or self-defense, you can still come along. And it's very, very informative. So you can learn about how you can use your voice, um, the mental side of it, as well as the physical. And also we um, have a few girls that are going to be baking some cakes uh, that will be selling at the event as well. So inshallah, please do come along next Friday. Six, uh, 7.30 to 8.30. Yes, mashallah. And uh, Sister Hasina, you are very generous here because uh, all donations uh, that's raised through this uh, cause, inshallah, Hasina will be uh, putting towards um, this uh, uh, much-needed cause. So please do support her where we can. Um, I know the community is quite a giving community. So inshallah, I'm sure if people can't turn up, they will make donations, um, Hasina. So. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so, listeners, we are live on air, um, uh, reaching out to all our listeners in Luton and surrounding areas through the airwaves at Inspire FM 105.1 FM. Uh, you can also cl- uh, connect through TuneIn by the Inspire FM webpage. Um, you can also um, download the Inspire FM app on your smartphones and listen to the show live that way. So really, listeners, you have absolutely no excuse to miss the shows. Um, we are also live as an audio on the Facebook page um, where you must like the show. And also you can leave any comments um, or questions around today's topic. 
I am taking in WhatsApp and a text message on the studio number 0779-481-822. So if you have any questions um, around today's topic, please do message into the studio. Now, in today's show, uh, my guest Cecilia and I will be talking about the importance of um, physical fitness and self-defense, more so looking at how we can, um, as women, empower ourselves to... Um, to use this self-defense in 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 public, but using it in a safe way. Um, and I, I'm really keen to hear um, Hasina's story around how she came to where she is today. So, and also the um, charity work, as you've heard, she's doing as well. Uh, but I think, uh, Hasina, before I carry on going on about how amazing you are and the work that you are doing, um, I will let you speak and introduce yourself to the listeners. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Hasina Rahman um, and I am the owner of a club called Pink Diamond Martial Arts, which is a female-only martial arts club in Luton. Um, I'm also an author, a public speaker for anti-bullying. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, you miss out a really key thing there, Hasina. You're also a mother. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's like, yes, that's the top of the list. Mother of two, two lovely boys, alhamdulillah. Mashallah. And and that's the hardest role uh, of all the of all the things that you've just said. Motherhood is the hardest and the most challenging. Um and um can I ask how old the boys are? Uh so the youngest is seven and my eldest is ten. Wow, mashallah. Okay, so a small gap between them. So yes, yeah. I'm sure they have like my children have this love hate relationship when they're like they're like that. One day they'll get on like a house or something fire and the next they can't stand the sight of each other Definitely. yeah <laughs> so that's yes that's where the challenge comes in so yes uh thank you for that so uh, i um i'm aware that you have been on the urban cube um show and you have talked to uh sister shamiza about um a recent award that you were given um so you are like a milli celeb really on the show today as well um so i won't delve into that too much uh for listeners that want to hear a bit more about um the the award and um hasina's journey onto that please do catch up on the urban cube uh show um with sister shamiza uh, you can hear a bit more about that but can i just get you to briefly explain what the award was yeah, so the award was uh, in January and it was um, the Inspiration Awards where it was kind of like celebrities and non-celebrities and normal community people all kind of joined together um, and it was held at the Landmark in London. So it was it was a very nice event, very um, posh event. Yeah. And there was local celebrities there like Mary Berry, she won the um, Lifetime Achievement Award yeah. and then there was um, Emma Thompson, um loads of different um celebrities that got different awards and i was awarded the inspiration um award for 2023 which was very nice that's amazing yes alhamdulillah to, to have so, uh, an award like that um under your belt um uh, i guess it must have been quite emotional for yourself because of the journey that you faced to get where you are today so how was that for you emotionally i think it was i wasn't expecting to win it was a big surprise and you know, when you're going up and then you have the celebrities like it was Harry Redknapp and Emma Thompson looking at you. And obviously you're a visible Muslim woman. Mm. So it was quite nerve wracking to get up there and speak. But Alhamdulillah, when I was up there, I was like, this is my chance to kind of let people know how Muslim women can be. And, you know, we can do stuff in sports as well. So Alhamdulillah, it was, it was a experience. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I, uh, you know, I think that's really inspiring that you were able to have that opportunity because, yes, you know, um, I myself am guilty of it when I just I think my hijab and my attire, it limits me. So I can't mm. do certain sports and I can't. Put, so I'm, I'm really happy to see that you were able to keep your modesty and still carry out your passion in this sport as well. So um, I guess um, I wanted to really understand a bit about your martial arts um, journey as to how you got to where you were. What What was it that you know, ticked that, what was it that clicked with you that, you know, or inspired you or who was it that inspired you that made you think, right, I need to do this? 
I think fitness has literally been a part of my life, like my whole life. From the age of seven, it was just something that I always wanted to push myself physically. Um, you know, when we, when we were younger, it was easy to go and play outside. We used to be outside all day. I'm sure it's the same for you. You know, until, the, until it was like Maghrib time, you're always out. And it was something that I really enjoyed doing, being physically active. And martial arts was something that I wanted to do to kind of get my confidence. Um, it was more about finding my confidence. And I wanted to do something that was empowering or something that could help me in my journey. And then that's when I started karate at the age of 15, 15, 16, when I was, I think it was near 11, I started karate and they offered a free session for everyone to come and um, try it out. So I went to try it out and then I fell in love and then it just carried on. And 20 years later, still yeah. going. Yeah. You found your calling very early. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, what's interesting to hear, I mean, you know, coming from a South Asian community, um, uh, uh, we we always had this fixation in our minds that when you grow up, you need to be a professional of some form. Mm. You know, we, I mean, I I find now my my daughter's uh, sixteen; she's doing her GCSEs. So I'm like, okay, so would you like to think about medical career? Maybe you know. But I've had to step back because you do have to listen to your children and let them do what mm-hmm. um, ultimately they feel comfortable in. Because if you force them into a career, so. How was that with the family? So, you know, because, I mean, you know, um, you, I, I assume with similar age, growing up in that generation to then as a hijabi Muslim girl to say, I want to be a martial arts expert or I want to do this as a living, make a career out of this. How was your family? How did how did they take this? I mean, my fa- my dad, uh, my mum, they always wanted me to be a doctor, the usual the doctor or, you know, something big, like uh, obviously teacher, doctor, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I did actually, martial arts wasn't something that I wanted to do as a profession or as a job. But I started off, my first job was working in Nationwide Bank, you know, like bank jobs, you know, some, something like that, which is quite a solid. And that's what I did growing up. I didn't do martial arts. I only did it as a hobby. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they weren't very keen on me doing martial arts to begin with, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, especially as a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really tell them yeah. that I was doing martial arts. So that's the, maybe the mistake I made. I should have been more open with them. But I didn't tell my parents the reason being because they're from a very different generation and they would have just said no straight away, not even listen to the reasons why I wanted to do it. Martial arts and girls, it doesn't really go. Um, so I did the classes after school and I said I was doing a fitness class which is the truth anyway, because it is a fitness class. And I didn't tell them until I got my black belt in karate. And then I took the certificate, took the black belt, and I said, this is what I've been doing. I'm now a black belt. And they, they were shocked, but they were very impressed. Mm. And my mum was phoning her friends and cousins and saying, oh, my daughter's got a black belt. So I knew she was impressed. Yes. But obviously, um, it was something that I had to do for myself. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not something that parents would push their children to do because they think it's not maybe as good as other role, other roles in life so yeah um and then any physical activity like that you always think about injuries um or uh, your child being hurt um, i mean my sons have numerously amounts of times told me that they want to either be footballers or boxers when they're older and i say oh, to them, i'm not sure it's a career that you could you know i i know they get paid ridiculously amount of money but you know it's you know they've got broken nose they've got you know limbs that aren't like they used to be so i'm just not in favor of these sports so i think when um we talk to our parents about any physical sport like that the first reaction is always safety of that child yeah i know um briefly a little bit about um uh your um childhood experience and i think some of it has uh been unveiled in your book correct me if i'm wrong um and I know that uh, you you didn't have a pleasant journey in school. Um, uh, so can I just get you to talk a little bit about you know the, your and I and I'm sorry I know it's a sensitive topic, but um, I'm you're a much stronger woman today and in a better place. I'm sure you can talk about it. But your memories of school life and I and I know when you recall this is probably not fond memories like many of us may have. Do you know what? The more I think sometimes when we do have experiences that are negative. Um, the more you talk about it, the easier it does become. So, yeah. alhamdulillah, I'm in a place where 
it doesn't affect me as much as it would have done when I first started speaking about it. Um, so I went to a school in, in Dorset, which was 98% all white. So being a brown person, being a Muslim, going to a school like that, you know you, you, you haven't got much chance of not being bullied. So it was just something that you know is going to happen when you go to a school like that. And it did happen from, I think, the age of 11 till about 14, I think. So that's when the bullying was very, very strong. Um, and it did obviously affect my confidence. I didn't like the way I looked, my skin color, or like who I was completely. Just I wanted to be like them because then they would accept, accept me. So it was a hard kind of thing to process. And I didn't tell, the mistake I made is, I didn't tell my parents mm. and I kind of ignored it, hoping that it would go away. But I think that's the biggest mistake you can make is to ignore the problem. Yeah. So that's a mistake I made. And that's one of the reasons I got into karate after I left school, because I needed to find myself and I need to find something that I enjoyed and discover who I was instead of who I wanted to pretend to be kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I yeah. mean, uh, you said something very, very important there about speaking up. And, you know, I guess uh, that's a take home message for those that are tuned in today that have young children that may be coming in. I mean, there must have been signs, but your parents obviously didn't pick up on it where you were coming in mm. and not happy. Um, so, you know, just as a, as a parent, just look out for these signs for our children. And, you know, and I think he, as you mentioned, is to speak because... Uh, mm. They always fear that if I speak it, it means it's real and it means it's actually happening and there's now going to be consequences, which they often don't really want to face. So mm. uh, thank you for sharing that with you. So, so with us. Um, so having had that now and uh, gone through that journey, has this impacted in the way that you raise your, your own children now? Have you thought twice about schooling for them when you when you had your own children? Did you, because you you had quite a traumatic school life, did you treat it differently for them? Definitely. If my boys come home from school and they're like, oh, this person's just um, punched me or something, I'll be straight down to the school. I'm, I've left it to them that if somebody does say anything to you and they keep saying it, it's not just one person. You know, at that age, primary school, they're going to say things. And I said, obviously, if there's something that happens regularly, then it becomes bullying. So if somebody keeps calling you a bad name, then um, I've told them if they don't stop, then come to me and then we'll go to the school. You need to speak to the teachers. Mm. I think with bullying, um, you need to get to the situation very quickly. You can't let it go on for too long. So if there is a situation where someone's hitting or saying stuff to your children, you need to deal with it straight away and not let it carry on. Yeah. Um, I've got quite, uh, I have a question to ask, and I, t I can't take full credit for this question because it was actually uh, my elder daughter when I was talking to her about having yourself on the show. And uh, she said that um, she, she when she because I homeschooled her for a couple of years before she uh, went into secondary school. And my purpose of homeschooling her was to give her the right tools to self teach, because ultimately, when you're in a school and in a classroom of 30 children, there are going to be things that you just going to have to self teach yourself. So I wanted her to be very independent and not needy. Now, I've, I've not grown up in Luton, I, I grew up uh, born and bred in London and then came to Luton. So I had to bid farewell to my friends, my family, and I had to come to a town where I knew no one and stand up and sort of connect with people and, mm -hmm. and find myself. So my purpose was again to educate her about not needing reliance on friends. You know, you can be independent. Um, and she said that when she started school, there were some issues, teething issues with some girls and the girls were, you know, really making her cross and she stood her ground. She was very firm with them and stood up to them, but it did, t it was a build up because she would come home and say, I'm not liking it, but I'm going to face the music. I've got to do it. And eventually when she did, she said, I had so much built up anger that I just lashed out. And I wasn't physical, but I was just, it was so out of character for her to shout the mm -hmm. way she did and be so vocal that it shocked the girls that, wow, she's actually got some, 
she's got a voice so we're gonna we're gonna back off mm -hmm. and so after that day they never said anything to her they did back off and they did move away and they have but she said that she thinks if she was equipped physically like if she did have martial arts or anything on the side she's not sure she would know where to draw the line because <laughs> to that stage yeah. we're so angry so i mean what's your advice on this how do you control that like you know we're in an age now uh where if if you've got the strength and you've got the skills you're going to use it so how how do you draw the line do you know what if, uh, people who meet me so say for me for example i've been doing uh karate i did karate from the age of 15. i got my black belt mm. then i did kickboxing i got my black belt then i did muay thai got my black belt then i did mma if you didn't see me or if you didn't know who i was you'd think this person's probably quite aggressive they probably look quite you know muscular or something um and people who come to my class the oh the, the biggest thing and alhamdulillah we've got over 100 students in my club now and mm. The main thing that they say is that I project some kindness and that's what draws them into the class. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I've learned from martial arts is it gives you personal growth as well as physical growth. And one thing I've learned from it is how to not deal with it with physical. You don't, the one thing that we teach is not to be physical. You have all the equipment to be physical, but it's the mindset that you have to control to not let it get to that stage where you're going to be physical. Someone who isn't experienced, who went to one boxing class maybe, they'll go and use it in the streets thinking, yeah, I can beat someone up. But if you come to martial arts and you've learned the aspect of it, it's all mental. It's, mm. more, it's not as much physical as it is mental because you have to learn to control yourself in especially situations, situations like that as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head there, that it is all about having the right mindset and uh, dealing with the uh, situation, using your mind more than your physical force, uh, because yeah. um, you're just equalizing yourself. If you just start getting physical, it's yeah, just equalizing yourself. You're not actually um, using your mind wisely. So I guess that's um, a good piece of advice there. Now, listeners, if you have just tuned in, um, where have you been this morning? Um, I have the lovely Hasina with me this morning, and we are talking about the importance of martial arts and self-defense, um, especially as Muslim women. Um, and uh, I am taking in any questions that you may have, which is on the studio number 0779-481-822. I should know that number, but I still keep making reference mm -hmm. to the paper whenever it, that number's being said. So um, uh, you, uh, if you were now to face a, a young girl that was being bullied. Now, I know that there's a lot going around in the news uh, recently about a young um, black girl in a, in a school in um, Ashford, I believe, um, was bullied outside the school. And, you know, this is a college. They're, they're 16-year-olds and above. So to behave in that manner is absolutely appalling. If you were faced with a situation like that where you saw somebody being bullied, um, it would obviously flood back memories of your own experience. How does that make you feel and what would you do? I think it's the same for everybody. I mean, if we saw someone like a young person getting bullied, it would just make you very upset. Um, obviously, that kind of situation, it could be one person against ten. It could be one. It's usually with bullies, they come in a gang. Mm. Because sometimes you won't see many bullies come by themselves. They will come with other people because they know that they can get you. And I think the one thing that we have to instill in our children from a very young age is to have a lot of confidence because bullies do not approach people that have a lot of confidence. They go for someone who's shy, who's kind, who's quiet. It's usually the ones they know that won't come back for them kind of thing. Um, so it's our job as parents to instill that confidence in them. Um, one thing I would say is to get them, in, get them into sports, any sports. Sports yeah. is such a good thing because most of the time you won't get... A, um, a child who's doing sports get bullied because it's a dip, it's, you're seen as a different category when you're doing sports, like a strong person. Mm. And I think it's so important for us to not just even, even the bullies. I think that they obviously are suffering a lot as well. The reason they bully sometimes is because they have situations at home. They're not happy with themselves. So what they do is they project it onto someone else. Yes. And I think it's both ways. We need to work with our children to make sure they have that confidence, but instill that kindness in them as well. Yeah. And I think that's very important.
Now, and and that's very key what you said there because yeah. um, in the end, when my daughter confronted the girl, that the particular girl, because she was like the domino in the mm. gang, when she confronted her and said, you know, why are you being like this? And she said, it's because you you weren't in the school for two years and you've come back and all these girls are magnetizing to you and you're in the top oh, sets okay. and you're, you know, um, you're in the top sets. You're, you're, how did you become so popular? I worked two years to get to the position I am and you've just come in and, and your aura is, you know, attracting. Mm. So I think when she realized and uh, sh- what it was, she realized that it wasn't a malicious thing. It was just no. a typical girl yeah. a bit of jealousy there yeah <laughs> yeah so she backed off a bit now yeah. believe it or not hasina we have actually come to the first half of the show so we are going to go into a short commercial break uh listeners this is your cue to either get those questions typed in and sent to us um around today's topic uh on the studio number 0779481822 or your chance to go refill your hot drink or cold drink whatever it is that you're having with me this morning so hasina have you got your tea ready with you I'm going to warm it up. It's my coffee. Okay, good stuff. So you go do that in this short commercial break. And join us back after the break, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Mother's Planet. It's Friday 10th of February and the time is now 10.30. I'm your host Neelam and joining me on the show this morning is my guest Hasina. Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum salam. Uh, so Hasina and I so far in the show have been talking about um, more so Hasina's journey as to where she has come from and what um, has inspired her to... Um, to do uh, martial arts, uh, self-defense and fitness. So any questions you have around today's topic, please do uh, share that with us on the studio number 0779-481-822. Now, I wanted to ask um, Hasina, I don't know if the hijab was something that you wore from day dot or if it was something that you adopted later in the in your later part of your life. But how, how do you balance... Um, hijab and sports because you know do the two go how how have you made it work um i didn't wear the hijab um i I think i started wearing it since the age of 25 so it wasn't something that i've been wearing since i was younger or um yeah so it was something that i adopted later on with my classes obviously because it's strictly female only everyone takes their hijab off it's t-shirt um leggings and everything that's the reason why i kept it strictly female even when we do tournaments it's strictly female only um, I want the ladies to feel comfortable. I want them to take their hijabs off and, you know, work out in an environment where they're comfortable as well. Yeah. There are girls that still wear the hijabs, which I've got no problem with. Um, and there's a lot of sports hijabs around now as well. Um, when I did my MMA training, which was after I had my kids, um, that's when I had to train with the hijab and everything fully covered. And, yeah. and it, was, it wasn't much different, to be honest. I thought it was going to be a lot harder with the hijab and covered up completely but it wasn't it was it was something that i think just made it more, more i don't know more powerful because we're doing it in a way where we're wearing our kind of outfit modesty outfit and you know you can still do it so yeah. i know that that shouldn't limit you to do anything like i know there's a lot of ladies that go running now when i go when i go outside i see a lot of people running um with hijabs and stuff on so Definitely should not limit you in anything. I think we can do everything with the hijab on. Yeah. 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 I I agree with you. And I think as time has progressed, women are getting more and more confident about wearing Mm -hmm. their attire and doing sports. Because when I go back to looking at my mum's generation, I know that they, you know, they felt very restricted. I mean, now you can get a lot of um, westernized attire, but it's quite Mm -hmm. So you're modest, sorry. Uh, so you are still covered and you're not. Whereas our, our, my parents, you know, uh, my mm-hmm. mother wore shalwar kameez. So, you know, for her to be wearing shalwar kameez and doing sports, it just didn't feel right for her. So yeah. I know she always used to enjoy swimming because there used to be a lady session swimming and she mm-hmm. always forever went swimming. And I, I tagged along with her. Um, 
And I, I used to go, I think I cramped my mum's style because my mum must be a, a swimmer because she could swim on her front or her back, do a, a frog swim, and I was just splashing water. So I think I embarrassed her more than um, actually uh, making her feel like this is my daughter. So I think she wanted to disown me sometimes. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was great um, seeing her have that outlet where it was. And I, I think it's really good that as times progress, there are more and more facilities that are strictly ladies only where ladies are yeah. able to you know comfortably if they want to take the hijab off they can actually do so and do the sports exactly. so I, it's it's and i guess for you that was probably one of the key things uh once you did start wearing the hijab that actually because i know my my older daughter she says to me that i'm going to do whatever i need to do for a career my career but i am going to make a community center for women where they can just come and they can just go and have a swim and they can do everything without having to have fixed timetables of oh there's going to be men around and i just want it to be a total yeah definitely yeah so she's she's very very much inspired in doing this as mm-hmm. should probably be more successful in Dubai or something like that but mm-hmm. you know um, uh, we'll see whether what the future holds for her inshallah you know I wish mm-hmm. her on that journey so yeah so I'm keen to know Hasina how you juggle um mummy life in in all the many hats that you wear and how you uh you know run your own business and you know everything that you're doing how do you juggle mummy life I think you have to make your priorities right. So obviously my kids always, always come first and obviously dropping them to school. And then it's just making, organizing your time. So I know that drop, dropping them off to school, then coming and do my own workouts. Then I have my admin and my personal training that I have to do. And then I pick them up from school and then that's their time. So I've kind of like set it all out. So it fits in with my kids the when I when they need me and I need to be there for them and my classes are usually from Fridays and weekends when I know my husband is home as well so yeah. he's got his part where he has to make sure he's there for the kids and my busiest time is from Friday to Sunday and then the weekday I do personal training while they're in school and stuff like that so it's prioritizing your time and making sure that you know you're there for the kids as well as your business as well Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. and the other things like housework and, you know, everything, cause I, I admire women that are managing, you know, several, uh, careers mm-hmm. and, um, and actually, cause now you don't do any banking. So your sole career and dedication is to, yeah, is to yeah. I've left that side. Yeah. yeah. It's just the focusing on the business is part time kind of thing. So I'm not, you know, it's not full time, but yeah. it's just the ad, cause I'm doing everything, the admin and, all yeah. that stuff that it takes a long long time to do all that so it's literally to be honest i'm working all night anyway doing all the admin advertising marketing so it's something where i can fit around the family which is i think i'm humbled blessed to do to be able to do that yeah and and i guess um there's a very important figure in your life there as well that's helped uh facilitate this and, and that be your husband so i mm. think that you know him taking part in in helping out with job sharing the children having the children so you could do your thing so i guess it's uh free to say you can give your husband a big shout out here i like that modesty there yes no, it's true i mean it it's a good you obviously have a very much a good um working relationship where you can both balance each other's lifestyles and still be there as a family as well so you know um Mashallah, may that continue as well. And, you know, so I guess um, when I was referring to the hijab and your recent award, you didn't change your image in any way to fit into the society or the class that you were around. You upheld your own um, uh, image, your your faith, your background. uh, It was all there. You didn't have to. Uh, say right actually for this event I'm going to just maybe wear the hijab loosely and mm. you know that you you so you know how was that was that something that you did with careful thought or was that something that came to a second nature do you know what sister? growing up I've always wanted to fit in I've always wanted to be like other people um and it was a struggle for me like I never felt like I fitted in anywhere all my yeah. friends knew what they like even with careers they all knew what they wanted to do everyone knew who they were and how they looked or 
they could just put anything together and looked amazing. And I always struggled with that. I always struggled with who I was, um, who I wanted to be. Anybody who asked me what do you want to be, I, I, I literally couldn't answer. And now mm. I'm at a stage where I literally don't care. <laughs> I, I know who I am. I know what my faith is. And Alhamdulillah, I've grown to get closer to my faith. And to me, to be able to go to that event where there was hardly any, I think me and my friend were the only ones with that hijabs on or Muslim. So it was it was kind of like a good experience because we were showing them how modesty can be, but then you can achieve things by being modest at the same time. You don't have to give up your modesty to be able to be accepted. You should always be very true to who you are. And that's something that I've learned in my late 30s. So I love them. No, I mean, uh, and, you know, it, it, it's great because there's women out there that still, you know, even in their late 30s, mid 30s, mm. early 30s that have this crisis of, you know, mm. um, identity crisis and identity yeah. crisis, especially in the South Asian community is a huge issue. Um, and, and this is not just with women, it's with the men as well, because, you know, as well as us having to be modest. It's mm. the men, they have to be more, but they need to fit in. And so I think um, getting to that stage of, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm really keen to know how you got yourself to the stage of I'm happy uh, mm. with where I am and how I am, because it's very hard to, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not an overnight process. And I, and I can imagine it being something that you've worked towards. But when was it? Because you said it was around 20s, your mid-20s when you started mm. to wear the hijab. So what was it in your life that happened that made you think right now is the time to, you know, if you, I'm sure you were a practicing Muslim all your life, but to mm. then say, right, I outwardly want to practice my faith. What, mm. what was it? What was the light bulb that went on? I think, um, do you know what it was? I think everything was going too well. As in, like, I had martial arts was very, very, I used to train five times a week. I was doing in-club tournaments within, like, um, Bournemouth. Um, I had a very good job. I was getting money. I had my own house. Everything was, literally, I had everything. And I was, by that time, I had loads of friends. I was very popular. It was just, everything was going well, but I knew something was missing. I knew that something was there was a gap and I knew that it was my faith. So I, it was my decision that I pushed to get married. I pushed to start wearing the hijab. Then I went to Umrah, Alhamdulillah, and everything just fell into place. Before I was, I came, became the person I wanted to be, but it, I wasn't happy. So then I knew that it wasn't me. So I had to change everything and become something which would bring me closer to Allah, which is what all of our goals should be anyway. And yeah. once, I set that path. I knew I was going down the right path, and I changed my outlook in life as well. That we shouldn't, we should not ever try to please other people. We should only try and please one person. I mean, Allah, and that's it. So that was my main mission: is to get closer to my religion, and yeah, and stay on the right path, inshallah. Inshallah, alhamdulillah, may Allah keep it that way as well. And and that's really and that's really good. And you know. Um, and that's nice that you had that journey. And um, uh, as you got married, you were able to complete Umrah because um, I always now, in my late uh, wise old age, whenever I talk to the young youth and I say, when you get married, you should think before you have children, but make sure you do this and do that, do this with your uh, spouse because it's so important that you connect and then have children because once the children come along, it's, you know, your devotion goes to your children. And, you know, gosh, I've been married. 17 years and my <laughs> with, the, with my, my devotion yeah. still with my children because you know when I cook my husband's adding chili and salt to the food mm -hmm. because I've cooked it to the children's taste yeah. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. so they're, you know, they're always at the top of your list aren't they <laughs> absolutely so yeah so I think you know I always say to um, uh, young couples that you know just get to know each other first and mm. you know and then um, explore that side of life and then go on so I mean now i know the girls of today and you may see some of this when you have the young girls coming to your class 
um, have got fixated with the way they look. Now, you and I are from um, an age where, you know, we've, we've, we've come in with wisdom. So we know that how our look is, it's not as important as what's coming from our mind, from our heart and how we are with people and experiences in life. You know, I think my motherhood has totally changed me. I see things totally different now. I think I'm more forgiving with people. I let things go. Whereas the younger part of me would not have probably been as calm. Mm. But uh, the girls today are very focused on the way they look. And uh, my daughter said this year when she went back to school in year 11, the number of girls in her year group that have started to wear makeup was just the teachers actually keep wipes in the front of the classroom now. Wow. And ask the girls to take some of the makeup off because it's so much. Mm. And how you know how do you tackle this i don't know if the girls that attend your class are still image conscious you know and how they look but how do you tackle this you know how do you take their focus away from what they look like to actually having the right mindset do you know, i was telling my friend the other day like i feel very blessed with the girls that come to my class because they all are extremely like very very generous very kind um, yeah. especially from such a young age, because I look at myself when I was their age, I was like, it's so confident. They're so like accommodating to other people that come to the class. And like with the makeup, I don't think that's their priority. I think the ones that come to my club, they're very into sports or martial arts and or they've got their personal reasons why they're coming. But obviously when you come to the class, you can't have long nails, you can't have jewelry, you can't, I wouldn't say not many girls wear makeup, to be honest. And it's something I want them to feel comfortable like to be able to be the truly themselves without having to impress anybody i think when you come to something like martial arts you don't need to impress anyone with your looks it's more the physical side mm. and once they are truly confident with their physical side then we can work on the mental side as well mm. and i always find when i do i do a lot of events as well where we always um elaborate on the fact that everybody's unique allah made everybody different and we've all got unique skills unique looks um different skin color different everything and you should be proud of who you are and the way you look and shouldn't feel like you have to change it. Your makeup is fine if you want to enhance what you have. There's no problem. I wear makeup. Everybody wear make- wears makeup here and there. And there's no there's no harm in that. But it's just not relying on it and thinking that you are less without it. That's the one thing that I want to get across to the young children that do come to my classes. You are beautiful just the way you are. Yeah. 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 And I do think it's really important um, to emphasize the age thing because I, I discovered makeup probably when I was about 18 or 19. And I, I used to work um, with a, a health and beauty uh, superstore then at the time. So uh, that's when I got experimental with perfumes and, and makeup. And I thought, mm. this is makeup. This is how we do it. So I discovered it later. I think it's now trying to get the children to think back. Uh, you're only 15, 16, so you don't need mm. to. You, you know, as you get older, as you said, to enhance your features and, you know, just to make yourself look different when you go to events or things mm. like that, it's it's a fine to do so. But to, to rely on it daily, because my fear is with young girls wearing makeup, is that they can wear so much every day that the, the day they don't wear it, everyone will be like, are you okay? Something yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just you've got yourself used to having this image that mm. not holding that image up again people are concerned about so i think that's key there that just to mm. um you know wear it but wear it modestly and w- again it comes down to the modesty aspect of things as well you know mm. where when needed and how as well so you know now you've got young girls uh, and women i assume in your uh, classes as well that come and they are do you think it's important for women in general uh, to have um, self-defense te- uh, techniques or some form of um, martial arts experts? Do you think all women should have this? You know, we, we're living in a day and age where it's not safe to walk around on your own. Um, in the winter months, it's even harder. I had uh, Sister Shemiza on the show with me last week, and she's been walking all across Luton. And oh, I know, she's been amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Big shout out to Shemiza because I think she's cycling now, but I think she's oh, yeah. So she's 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 on. A, I have no idea what's in store for March for her. So I dread to, it'll probably she's be doing really well. Yeah, she's doing so well. Uh, but you know, we talked about. Um, 
safety for women uh, when it comes to walking. And, and she did say that she felt like she had to equip herself a little bit um, and pick the times that she was going for her walks and the the areas as well, busy areas. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, um, do you think it's important that women in general have some form of um, self-defence or something that they can use for themselves? Or, you know, is it more a case of just being um, vigilant? Um, I think so. obviously having self-defense skills gives you that extra um, skill. So if, if there is a situation where you had the skills to get away, you would use it to get away. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously the main thing is awareness, making sure that you're in a place where it's well lit. Um, if you're walking around at night, try and go with someone else, don't go by yourself. And if you um, hear about the news, it's always on the news that, that you know, some women is suddenly just attacked and, if you look at it, it's always the women that are quite petite that get attacked. Mm. So if it's if you're someone around five foot one to five foot three, you're more likely to be attacked. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, and it's usually park areas. It's usually when it's dark. You just yeah. have to be very very careful as a woman. Even like my husband jokes with me. He's like, "Oh, you'll be safe. You can walk anywhere. You can beat them up." And I was like, "No, I don't want to because uh, me as a woman, even if you." trained for 20 years, your strength is not nothing compared to a man because a man's mm. strength is different. Yeah. So we just because you do, I don't know, a power lifting or uh, fitness and stuff, you might have a better chance to escape if you're strong or if you have that fitness or you can run fast to get away. But it doesn't mean that you can overpower a man because a man's strength is different. Yeah. Some they usually attack from the back. From the back, you don't have much chance if they grab you around the neck. In MMA, we do teach um, how to escape someone who grabs you from behind or grabs your hair, grabs your hijab or gets you in a headlock. So we do practice that. But what happens at that exact moment, we don't know. You can know every martial arts, but when it comes to that time, if you don't have the confidence to stay calm, yeah. nothing's going to work. So I yeah. think it's a lot about, the, as again, about the mindset, skill, everything just comes into place. And sometimes when you practice something a lot, it's second nature, isn't it? Yeah. So, with martial arts, if you've been practicing for a long time, um, it'll just come naturally. Like yeah. sometimes if I see some of my students in the streets, I'll just go and tap them and see what how they react. Yeah. And sometimes their reaction is very quick and I love it. And I'm like, yes, you're learning. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah. I think it's very good to have that skill, but... Obviously, you have to work on your mental as well as well as your physical as well. Yeah. And I guess in those situations, because your body, as you say, reacts to you can prepare yourself so much for a situation. But when Mm. you're thrown in that situation, your body just it goes heavy and you just totally just have that Mm. out of. I don't remember anything now. So I think then is when you, uh, you know, would think of safety and and it's not people can't use their voice you know when you're in a situation where if a man was right in front of you and he's going to put your hands on you some people lose their voice so they can't scream so that's one thing that we practice um in the self-defense classes is we use our our voice and we try and scream and see like try and use the voice to get attention from everywhere and that's what i want yeah Yeah, and I think that's really key advice there as well for anyone that is listening in. And God forbid, you know, may Allah protect all the women of the community um, that we ever face any situation like that. But yes, the voice, you know, when your body goes heavy, the voice Mm -hmm. is the only thing that you have going for yourself at that time. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So um, who's been your pillar of strength? Uh, who's kept you going you know who's who Who would you I, i'm sure there's probably many or you know who's your role model that you've said that you know this this is who i look up to and i aspire to do you know what the one person that i would say at the top of my list is obviously my mum. she raised six kids and you know in a generation where it was very tough when they came over and obviously she's one of the main ladies who's shown me how to be mentally strong um, and with my dad as well, it's always around kindness. They're very, very into being kind to others. You know, they taught me the real values of life. So I really appreciate that from my having learned that from my parents. But in regards to role models, I don't think I like growing up um, as a Muslim woman, seeing wanted to seeing someone that looked like me or someone that was a visibly Muslim. There was nobody. So I couldn't really say that I had any role models growing up because maybe I imagine someone that is me now that I can be like. So it was someone that I kind of imagined in my head that was into martial arts who 
good fitness stuff who was empowering other people and yeah alhamdulillah so maybe it was me my future self is my role model yeah mashallah alhamdulillah and and look yeah. what you are today so you know amazing so um uh, hasina you've got a really calm and persona about yourself uh you know uh, you don't seem to come phased by anything um and and i love the way you have this real um peaceful aura about yourself you know and you've got a humble approach to everything that's thrown at you what's your secret <laughs> um, i think you have to in a way you have to get the the dunya isn't very long so you literally we don't know when everything will end and i think you have to make a priority of your list and what's important to you and i think the little things where worrying what other people think or if i do this maybe it's not going to work out and all the other negative ideas you have having your head you have to get rid of them and do what have be fearless go for it and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but at least you tried it and that's how i think my whole life i think from a very young age If somebody told me to jump off something I'd do it because I never had that fear yeah. as in like oh, can you jump from here to there I'd do it whether other people might think oh, I'm not going to make it but with me it was always like I you know you don't know unless you try mm-hmm. so even with the books I wrote I didn't have any knowledge of how to write a book I didn't have an experience so my message was clear I wanted to get the message to everyone it wasn't about making money it wasn't about anything else it was just getting my message across and trying to help at least one person with their confidence or dealing with bullies or seeing the signs of bullies so i think that's one of the things that i've always had is be fearless stay for it yeah mashallah and that's lovely there as well and i i think you're right you know you've got to um remember that we aren't here for long i mean in the recent days i've heard so many people passing away young oh, very young people as well yeah. and so it just makes you realize that it, you have no idea so mm. i think you know um keep good ties with people and you know just uh live your life the way you want to live it now we are coming towards the end of the show now um hasina and uh, i i want to say a huge thank you to you for taking out the time to join me this morning no problem at all thank you for having me no thank you and uh, i know it's a, you're a very busy lady and i know that taking the time out to to join chatty me on the show <laughs> is not easy but it's been a pleasure having you on the show and i've got no doubt that listeners were able to take something positive um from uh, your words of wisdom today so thank you for sharing that all with uh, with me this morning and i also wish you very best for next friday the charity fundraising event mention where it was being held so if you could uh, just so it's going to be uh, All Saints Church Hall in Warwick Road Luton okay so it's a big, big church hall i think there's a lot of mendies that happen there so people <laughs> might know where it is yeah <laughs> okay brilliant and my quote for today the hard part isn't getting your body in shape the hard part is getting your mind in shape jamal barak and assalamu alaikum thank you for listening to our podcast why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefm luton